Hi, everyone, wherever you are. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. We have the latest episode of the Inside Crypto Show, interviews and discussion with regular people just like yourselves. Today, we are joined back by Gurji Kunti, who's the Managing Director and Head of Trading at 21Co. You would have seen his first podcast if you're a big fan of the show, and I'm sure lots of you are. Today, we're not going to be talking about his background because, again, go back to the first podcast. We want to save more time to talk about all the questions we have, all the macroeconomic, trading, crypto, whatever questions we have. We're going to go through all of those today. If you would like to know more about his background, please go back and listen to the first podcast. That first podcast will be down in the YouTube show notes, will be down in the podcast show notes as well. Just click, have a quick listen, and come back and listen to this podcast. Gurjeet. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are things going? Things are going well. We are halfway through the year and it's been a very interesting year. It's been a very volatile start to the year and I'm doing very well. And thank you for having me back. Nice. So as you mentioned, right, it is halfway through the year. I remember you were on last year towards the end of last year, I believe. And I would say the situation was a bit different. Like you said, things are very volatile. How are you feeling about the economy, everything overall so far? I think I'll start with the elephant in the room, which is the debt ceiling talks. Uh, and I believe it's going to the House of Representatives today for a final sort of decision to, to continue to move forward. And we know that a decision was made over the weekend to extend that for another two years. And there are a lot of questions around that. How will that be managed? And then moving on from that, the other things that come up this year are interest rates, inflation. And with interest rates, there's been a lot of euphoria in equities, potentially pricing in a pause or a pivot at some point this year. And now there are questions around that. And if we roll back to the beginning of the year, let's say Q1, where Bitcoin was one of the best performing assets, and then suddenly you roll into sort of Q2 and you've got all these regional banks struggling and SVB and Signature Bank basically failing due to the higher interest rates. Let's just say the feeling this year is generally quite positive in the sense that for, as a trader, there's always an opportunity. However, we know that there is a cost of living crisis globally. We know that inflation has been eating away at a lot of people's wealth. And I think the next few months are going to be quite telling how global macro policy will navigate these tough times. I believe certain regions are slightly better off than others. But yeah, I'd say it's mixed feelings so far this year. I know my brother shared with me like a little graphic, I guess he got from some WhatsApp group that shows like inflation in the UK and it showed like milk was up 47% and bread was up like 30 something percent. And I know I asked Charlie this on the podcast and people are listening to this now. Oh, yeah, this is last week's podcast. But he said, again, in his opinion, that these prices have been low and the people who are making these products, the milk, the bread and that sort of stuff, have been complaining about profitability for a while. Do you think that's the case? Are prices going to stay this high now and not go down again? Yeah, I have heard this, that like, typically in the past, in the UK, I think in the supermarket have been fairly underpriced. But I think one of the big factors that has impacted prices is Brexit. We also know with the QE through COVID, that's also had an impact. But I think the outside shock of Brexit has had a major impact on our supply chains and continues to have a major impact. And the, I'd say the frustrating thing about inflation is, I think once it's up there, it's sticky on the way down. 
And I don't think we'll see the prices that we have seen in the past, which is, I can imagine, tough for some families. And I myself look firsthand experience when I go, you expect certain prices and at the end of it, sometimes it has doubled. And if we move away from not just uh, supermarkets, if you're looking at your mortgage interest rate, and if you're unfortunate enough to have a fixed rate in the UK that's coming up for renewal right now, it's probably doubled or tripled at a minimum. Oh my God. Yeah. And then if you take a step back and you look at energy prices, which it does feel like the UK has had a bit of a tough time with, there's anywhere between a three or five X on your energy bills from gas to electric. So yeah, I think it has been a very tough time in the UK. Globally, I think there are some other countries which haven't had it as bad or inflation is ticking back. But this outside shock of Brexit, I think, is it's it's got this momentum. And this is why in the UK, inflation is a bit sticky at the moment. Looking at everything that's happened so far this year, has it been anything that surprised you from a trading perspective or from a macro perspective that's, oh my God, I didn't expect this to happen? Yeah, I think. Given we're in crypto, we're all believers of Bitcoin and what it stands for and Bitcoin itself. You can consider it energy and then freedom. And I think when we started to see the unraveling of some of the US regional banks, SVB, Signature Bank, and then FRB, suddenly Bitcoin started to fulfill its kind of promise of being a store of value. I wouldn't say that everybody rushed in to see that, but we did see this shift. And I think that surprised me in a positive way because see, we believe it, but I think there was this one weekend where people weren't sure about where they could store their money, what assets they could hold. And suddenly Bitcoin became a choice because you could hold that yourself. You would manage your own assets, basically. And I guess moving on from that, the speed at which the AI narrative kicked in, we always known it's been there. We know that a lot of these large firms have been working on it. And I think the kind of sudden kind of introduction of ChatGPT and the euphoria around that, and then moving on to how NVIDIA has reacted in the stock market, I think, once again, that's a positive surprise. However, if you've got this sudden exponential move in the markets, I'm always cautious of such moves because there is always a retracement. Sometimes it's a healthy retracement as well. It's, it's interesting you mentioned NVIDIA, right? Because the Computex show is going on in Taipei at the moment, just north of where I live in Taiwan. And the CEO of NVIDIA was there. He gave his keynote. And I think today or yesterday, NVIDIA hit a $1 trillion market cap. And they had gone up, I guess, you would know better than me. I saw numbers on Twitter about $600 billion in the last week or two weeks or so. How has that affected like trading? And I've heard other podcasts and other shows that be like, anyone who's anybody who's throwing an AI into their products, hey, yeah. invest, buy our shares because we have this AI, blah, blah, blah. What's your take on that? Yeah. If we roll back to over 20 years ago when .com was the big thing, anyone who had .com or some sort of web narrative, even in the company name, you'd see these large moves in company valuations. And then similarly, it was probably five to seven years ago where anyone who had some blockchain related narrative to their company would see these large moves. And once we're seeing history repeat itself with AI, I think the difference here is that AI is adding value right now. But with anything that moves that quick, there's always questions about how authorities will regulate that. So that's the next thing I'm waiting for. 
to come in, but that might take a little bit of time. But people are starting to see the value of AI. And I think a lot of firms were quite surprised at the speed at which AI has evolved. And from firms, from Microsoft to Google to NVIDIA themselves, they will all be rolling up products, which you can use right now. And it's there's a wealth of tools out there on AI from these kind of linguistic programs to art style programs to just other programs that can help you do your day job. But once again, as much as there's euphoria momentum behind it, I always like to take a step back. Once a large move like that has happened, what is the next move? If you go back to maybe when Apple first started to have its euphoric rise, the next questions people were asking was, what about the Apple supply chain? You know, are there opportunities there? So this is what I'm thinking about AI. What is the next narrative from that? What is the spin-off? Is it supply chains? Obviously, you've got NVIDIA with the microchips, but also potentially storage in the future. With AI, you're going to need a lot of storage. There'll be a lot of data management there and data science. So yeah, that's some of the thoughts that I've got. But yeah, I'd say that AI has been one of the standout performers of this year. I love your next one. It's like, what is the next move? I'm going to be yeah. doing that into a short, for sure. Again, talking about AI, as somebody who watches a lot of YouTube, not just for our podcast, right, on the Tune Out Go podcast, but for my own podcast as well, is I see these videos, and then if you've seen them as well, it's like, I told ChatGPT to give me a trading strategy. I have $5,000 or $500 or $10,000, I've seen huge amounts of that, right? Yeah. And I've seen lots of personalities or influencers, yeah. I would call them, saying, hey, Give me a, a decent trading strategy and people say it's working. Do you see AI impacting traders? Do you think trading teams are going to become small? Is it just going to be Gurji Kundi in the future? Robots controlling everything? I think that's already started. So the cat's out of the bag. When I first started, it was the end of the pit traders to desk traders. And over my time, over the last 20 years in trading in TradFi institutions, it's been moving into e-trading anyway. But this AI narrative, it's always been there. It just feels like it's coming to the masses. However, you always have to use it very cautiously. And I would say you can't trust it blindly. And already being an expert in your subject and using it as a tool just to lean on, I think that is probably the way to go. If you don't have any expertise in a subject and you suddenly start trusting any tool blindly, then that can lead to other issues. As much as it's a useful thing, I know it will help traders. It can help to find correlations or some sort of relationships between two various subjects from, for example, physics to trading, chaos theory. I know that I could read a book and I have done and try and connect the dots myself, but you can ask ChatGPT questions and refine those questions. And then suddenly you'll see that actually saved me a lot of my own research. As much as it saves me time and I may already have a inkling of what I would expect, I'd, I'd say that if people just rely on that, you lose a lot of skill sets and learning through the research that you do yourself. So the AI should be used in conjunction with your own sort of research and experience, knowledge and discussing and bouncing ideas off your colleagues and teammates. You make a good point as well, Gurjeet. I remember reading like the opposite side of the coin of traders. There's a guy on YouTube I follow. He used to work at JP Morgan for a number of years. And he was saying, AI is cool. As you mentioned, it's a good assistive tool. 
but it's not going to take away from that, that sixth sense or instinctual trading that a lot of traders have. We have 10, 15, 20 years of experience and you develop like a really quick mindset or I guess he, he always describes it as sixth sense, right? When it comes to training. And I think that's something a machine can't replace at the moment, right? Yeah. I think, look, these systems can go a long way, but you'll always need some sort of human interaction, someone who understands the technology, but someone who also understands traditional markets. Obviously, over time, there'll be less, but yeah. Okay. Coming back to crypto, coming back to macro as well. You mentioned the regional banks, SVB, FRB as well. I remember earlier this year, there were talks about like issues in the UK. I think those didn't pan out as well. Thinking about some of the banking issues as well. Do you think this is still an issue later on in the year or are we over the banking issues? I still think, yeah, we may see further issues, whether there's another bank that, you know, fails. I'm not sure if it will be that extreme, but I could certainly see other banks that require support. The question rolls back to how long will interest rates stay this high? And it feels like with these monetary policy tools, the governments understand that high interest rates are impacting certain firms who've become comfortable with a low interest rate environment. And you've had certain firms who've managed to benefit from that. But now with these high interest rates, it's become a, a bit more evident that whether you want to class them as zombie companies or companies that just haven't been performing but have managed to survive in such a low interest rate environment that now this is coming to a head. And for that reason, it feels like we're not quite done but there's two sides to this where you've got, for example, the Fed, they know that high interest rates are required to keep inflation at bay. But on the other side, they have the monetary policy tools to support banks, whether it's bailout money, whether you call it QE, not QE. And we've seen that. We've seen that in effect. But I don't think we're done quite yet. Seeing these regional banks fail in the US, I think we should still keep an eye on that. The next question is, how does that impact other markets with interest rates so high? Even business owners have been lucky to enjoy these low interest rate environments. And now you've got commercial mortgages globally coming up for renewal. How will that pan out? There's hundreds of billions of commercial mortgage rates out there. These are the sort of things I'm watching, not directly related to crypto, but will certainly have an impact if the worst comes to fruition. But once again, taking a step back, it feels like the global governments have found a way to deal with this. Okay, interest rates are higher, certain things in the economy will break, but hey, we've got this other tool of bailout money to support those firms. So it's like hitting the brake and the accelerator at the same time. Oh, that is so well put. We're talking about governments as well. I know when I was talking to Charlie, he was talking about government debt, not just the US, of course, because... Loads of governments around the world have borrowed, borrowed and spent. Yep. That was part of COVID, right? We got stimulus money pretty much from west to east, no matter where you lived. Everybody got some kind of money in most countries, I would like to say. And then he mentioned the other side of the coin is that now we have all this debt and then it comes up to the issue of issuing bonds and bond rates and the issues of default. And how does that play into like volatility in the market? Are you expecting more Maybe not the U.S. issues, because as you mentioned, like they've renewed things for two years, but maybe other countries like Japan or China as well. Yeah, there is a lot of debt out there and it is concerning. And with 
all of this money that was pumped in during COVID, there was always going to be this impact of inflation. And then obviously to keep inflation at bay, you had to raise interest rates. And the question is now the sort of interest payments on that debt. Do they outweigh the tax receipts that these global governments are receiving? And I think that's the next question. So will there continue to be fiscal tightening? And we're already in a cost of living crisis already. So I certainly think, once again, that is the elephant in the room and one to really keep an eye on. Uh, And certainly it does concern me. It feels like the US are navigating their way through. We'll know more by the end of today. We'll find out. Okay. As speaking of other governments as well, talking about China on the trading note yesterday, I know Elon Musk went to China and he was like, hey, we should still be doing business with them. But at the same time, there are still issues with China and Taiwan where I live. We're coming up in the election next year. Both candidates from the other party are like, hey, we have to respect the agreement. Hey, Taiwan is Taiwan, China is China. Taiwan's not going to declare independence and maybe that will solve the issues. But there's still trade issues. There's still the spy balloon stuff. There's who knows whatever else is going on. What do you think about regional tensions as well? How does that kind of play out? It's a great question and it's quite tough right now, especially with the sad situation in Ukraine and Russia. And that's not helping on one side. You've got these the regions who are supportful of peace talks. And on the other side, you're not seeing that. And I think there are these kind of outside shocks to these relationships. And so I think we're in a politically tough time. And yeah, every day there's a new headline. As much as, you know, being good citizens, we want everyone to work together. We want the world to be globally connected and to have free trade. We know that these political tensions are creating issues there. However, they do need to work together. Everybody's interconnected in one way, shape or form. And whether you see tensions in the headlines, you might see some back channeling to make things work behind the scenes. I agree. That's very interesting. And a little bit positive as well, which is what we need given everything going on. Let's bring everything back to crypto before we end off today's show. At least two more questions. I did want to ask this as well, because you're in the UK, my brother's in the UK, Charlie's in the UK as well. Everyone knows the Prime Minister is somewhat of a fan of crypto, and this could be a good thing as well, not just for the UK, for the EU possibly, and other sort of influential markets. Do you think the UK is going to pass some sort of legislation soon? I know the Treasury Department in the UK was like, no, we're not going to do any sort of CBDC thing anytime soon. What's the feelings there? Yeah, being an optimist, I would really like them to pass things as soon as possible. And especially being in the UK, there has certainly been a lot. And the prime minister himself has said he wants the UK to become a global crypto hub and he sees the benefits. I know that 21.co and there are other crypto native firms who've been working with parliament to advise and help and work through certain questionnaires. But right now it feels like there's more talk than action. Although they have intimated that they they would like to see regulations within the next 12 months. But the question there is, it certainly feels like the UK is probably waiting for the SEC to move first. And I would say if that is really the case, then that's going to be an opportunity lost. There's a real chance for the UK to step up, be that global hub. 
and I think it could be quite beneficial. So fingers crossed. Exactly. Oh man, this has been an awesome podcast, Kurjit. I think definitely so much said, so much done. Before we end off today's podcast, anything you want to end off with, any insights, any pearls of wisdom, anything you want to say, the floor is yours. Yeah, I think probably just coming back to some of the topics we discussed in the beginning, which was the elephant in the room, the debt ceiling, inflation, and then interest rates. I think these are all macro topics to keep an eye on. As much as within crypto, we will see certain narratives, like the AI narrative was very big. But right now, it just feels like keeping an eye on the global macro narrative will probably give us a good clue as to where crypto is going, as to where equities are going, bonds and commodities. And certainly with this explosion in AI, the tech, any potential talks about regulation of that. So I'd say those are the things that I would keep an eye on. Nice. And those are definitely useful for everybody listening and watching. Everyone, again, thank you very much for tuning in. I know you guys loved Gurjeet the last time, the views short. Please let me know if you have any questions, if you want to give me some suggestions for a topic for the next time we get to have him on. He is very busy, but I'm sure he can make time a few months later. Yeah, Telegram, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want to send me a message. If you have questions for Gurjeet, I'm happy to pass them to him. Let me know. And then uh, Gurjeet, thank you again. And hopefully we will talk to you soon again, maybe another four or five months. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me back. Thank you too.